In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today, my beloved, the, uh, is the second Sunday of the blessed month of Tuba, and the readings for today focus on the salvation of, uh, or the fulfillment of the commandments of God and the salvations of those who fulfill those commandments. And the passage that was read to us comes from Luke chapter 11. Um, and in this chapter, many things were happening, and the Lord was speaking about many things. In the beginning of the chapter, the disciples asked the Lord, teach us how to pray. And he told them the Lord's prayer that we know, our Father. And then he spoke to them about uh, the passage of the person who comes and asks for a favor from a friend at midnight, and he's sleeping, but because of his persistence, he gives it to him. And the idea here is to be persistent in the prayer that we offer. Then he speaks about asking, seeking, and knocking, and how those who ask God for the Holy Spirit, he will give them uh, the Holy Spirit. And then he speaks about the, uh, the, the issue of having a divided house, that a divided house cannot stand. And then lastly, he speaks about having the person who has an unclean spirit, when the spirit goes out of a man and and comes back and finds it swept and put in order, it says that he goes and gets seven demons with him and they, uh, they dwell in this house because the house, although it's in order, but it's empty. And then immediately responding to all of these beautiful words of wisdom and uh, a woman cried out and perhaps, you know, as we were listening or as she was listening to this, Reminded her maybe of a, a verse from the Psalms that said, How sweet are your words to my taste, more so than honey and the honeycomb in my mouth. So she said, His words are so sweet. And in response to this, she said, Blessed is the womb that bore you. Blessed is the womb that bore you. And her response to this is perhaps like maybe we would think all of us would say this person is such a, a blessed person such a wise person he must have had a good parents or a good mother who raised him well so she must be blessed as well um, the Lord wanted to correct a misunderstanding that she had and not only her but many people at the time they had a misunderstanding that blessing came because of uh, heritage or biology you know, it was something that was in their blood. To the point where sometimes the people, when they came uh, to Christ, they said, we're Abraham's children. That's what makes us blessed, makes us special. And he wanted to uh, correct that misunderstanding that it's not by uh, your heritage or biology that makes one uh, special. What's the danger of having this false sense of security? That I'm secure in something other than God himself. We see this in the church of the Laodiceans in the Old Testament. And he says to them what? Uh, because you say that I am rich, I have become wealthy and in need of nothing, you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. So the danger of having a false sense of security is that I'm thinking of myself one way, but God is thinking of me in a totally different way. And this ought to put fear in all of us. Because we can all look at ourselves, you know, I think I'm pretty good in this and this and this and this. But what is it that exactly God thinks of me? Does he think the same thing of me as I think of myself or not? 
What are some of these false sense of securities that perhaps we have as Orthodox Christians? Number one is that we're Orthodox. Some people believe that all the Orthodox people are going to heaven and nobody else. And simply because I'm Orthodox, I'm, I must be okay because I have the right faith. But it's not about being of the right faith. Do we think on the other side that there'll be no Orthodox people in hell? I think there will be. Another misconception or another false sense of security is the wrong teaching regarding salvation. On one side we boast about being orthodox and we have the right teaching. But on the other side you have the wrong teaching that says that perhaps some people believe that salvation is for everyone. And you'll find many people believe this. And even, unfortunately, even some among some orthodox people believe that one day everybody will be saved and everybody will go to heaven because God's mercy will outweigh His justice and His judgment whether in this life or the afterlife. And Taban, when we think about this, this undermines the whole mission of the cross that Christ was incarnate, lived among us as a humble and humiliated man and then died on the cross in a humiliating way. This would undermine everything if at the end of the day everybody just goes to heaven. Some people believe this. Some people also have an erroneous belief that once saved, always saved. They'll come to you and say, when were you saved? Or are you saved? As if the day that I proclaim that I'm Christian, this is the end all be all. This is, again, the wrong teaching that gives us this false sense of security. Also, some people might say, you know what? Well, my uncle or my grandfather or my brother is so-and-so and he's a monk or she's a nun and because she's praying for me, then I'm saved or I'll be saved because of her prayers or his prayers. So we have this false insecurity in a relationship that perhaps because this person is what we say is a holy person, then this by proxy, I will be saved because of their prayers. And this is not the case. Another false sense of security is perhaps my position in the church. If I'm a servant, a coordinator, or somebody responsible for a certain task, or a priest, or a bishop, or so on, we say that this gives me a sense of security because I do these things. That's not the case, my beloved. Perhaps we might think that I have a false sense of security because I donate a lot of money to the church. I said, you know what, I'm, I'm doing a favor to God by giving all of this uh, money, so when I come before Him in the day of judgment, He'll kind of weigh how much money I gave versus my sins, and He'll have mercy on me because I gave so much money. God doesn't care about money. Right? He doesn't need our money. He wants our souls. He wants us. He wants our salvation. Another false sense of security. There's another false sense of security called good intentions. You know, I have a good intention. I mean to do well when I, when I do so and so. But meaning to do well is not the same as doing well. Look what uh, St. James says. He says, If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warm and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? This is what he's saying. You can have good intentions and say, okay, I see a poor man, ah, I'd have been a man. I have one, one day I want to help him, but I do nothing. This good intention does nothing. Perhaps it's a start, but again, it's the doing that's going to uh, find us favor before God, not simply having good intentions. And lastly, sometimes we can just be busy with the service. 
We think that if, as long as I'm busy with things that have to do with God, this is enough. It's very different when we serve a house and the people in my house versus having a relationship with the people of my house. A father can spend his day working, working to make money for the people in his house, and this is he's serving his house. Mother can do the same thing, taking care of the house, cooking, cleaning, all of these things, and she's serving her house. But that's very different than having a relationship with your children and with your husband and with your wife. Right? Serving can keep one busy, but we must not forget the one whom we serve as we serve. In response to this woman who cried out and said, Blessed is the womb that bore you. The Lord responded and said, More than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. So he says, what's going to make us blessed is not our heritage or our DNA or biology, but what's going to make us blessed is when we hear the word of God and we keep it, or we do it. This is what's going to make us blessed. And he tells us how is it that we can keep the word of God. He tells us four things. Number one, um, he says before understanding or before keeping the word of God, you must understand whose word are you keeping. You know, with all of the philosophies that's, uh, and ideas that are circulating through the internet and through social media and all of this, it seems that a Christ, the Christian principle has gotten lost as one wise way among many. But we forget that the Word of God, or at least we, we should not forget, that the Word of God is that thing. It's the Word of God. It's what He says is what goes. It's not simply just a recommendation or words from another wise person. These are the words of God. This is why the Lord said, This is an evil generation. It seeks a sign and no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah the prophet. They were asking for a sign or a miracle from heaven, like thunder. They said, Lord, make it, let us see you make the sky thunder and lightning. And he says, yeah, I'm not going to give you a sign because you're not worthy of a sign. The only sign that you're going to have is the sign of Jonah. And what does he mean by the sign of Jonah? What happened to Jonah was what? That he died in the water and he was there for three days and then he came back alive again out of the water and he was presented to the Ninevites. So this sign of death and resurrection, he's referring to himself. This is the sign. And look what St. Um, Ephraim the Syrian says about this. He says, The sign of Jonah served the Ninevites in two ways. If they would have rejected it, they would have gone down to Sheol alive like Jonah. But they were raised from the dead like him because they repented. He said if the Ninevites would have rejected Jonah, they would have went down to Sheol to death as Jonah had gone down in the belly of the fish. But they would have died because they didn't repent. But he says because they repented, they came back alive. And if you remember in Jonah chapter 2, we hear of the prayer of Jonah in the midst of the belly of uh, the fish. And this was his repentance. So he died and through his repentance, he came back alive again. And St. Ephraim continues and says, Just as in the case of our Lord, who was set for the fall and the rising of many, people either live through his being killed or die through his death. So his death and resurrection will be either the cause of life 
or the cause of death for people. Christ is the foundation and the center of our restoration. So when we begin, and we want to say about keeping the word of God, we have to understand, number one, that this word is his word. When you speak about anybody, your colleagues or your peers, about different religions, they always have, at the end of the day, we have to ask ourselves, who is the person of Jesus Christ? What do you say about him? He's no ordinary person. Even if you're Buddhist, if you're Hindu, if you're a Muslim, anybody. What do we do with this person of uh, Jesus Christ of Nazareth? Who claimed to be God and backed up his claim by miracles that even his enemies couldn't deny. And who the church says that he rose from the dead. What do we do with him? What do you say about him? At the end of the day, we have to come back and ask this question. Then the Lord continues and he says, The queen of the south will rise up in the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and indeed a greater than Solomon is here. This queen of south was the queen of Sheba, who came and traveled about 1,200 miles to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And of course, back then, traveling wasn't like in an airplane. Imagine traveling 1,200 miles on a camel or a horse or a chariot or whatever it is. It's a very difficult journey. But she traveled all of this way because she heard of the wisdom of Solomon. And she wasn't, you know, um, it was for a good reason. She was there and she was impressed with his wisdom. But Solomon's wisdom was a gift that was given to him by God when he asked. But what about Christ himself, who is God? He's the gift giver. If we want to say that Solomon was wise, what do we say about the Lord Jesus? And then he says about her that she will rise and uh, condemn. Uh, she will rise up in the judgment of this generation and condemn them. Why? It's because she traveled twelve hundred miles to hear wisdom of earthly wisdom that was given to him by God. But sometimes that the people of this generation they saw and heard Christ, God incarnate, and they didn't believe him. We can maybe extend this to us about reading Scripture, right? Nobody has any reason to say that I I can't read the Bible. This woman traveled 1,200 miles to hear the Word of God. And we have the Bibles in our pockets all the time, at any moment. But we'd rather spend hours looking at social media than spending a few minutes reading the Word of God. The Queen of Sheba will rise up in the generation, in the judgment, and she will judge us. And this judgment will be by comparison. We'll say, God, I didn't have time to read the scripture. And you'll say, let me show you this person who traveled 1,200 miles to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And you have the word of God in our pocket. She had the zeal. She had the zeal to hear and to keep the word of God. Then the Lord continues and says, The men of Nineveh will rise up in the judgment with this generation and condemn them. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and indeed a greater than Jonah is here. The people, when they heard Jonah preach, they repented immediately. From the king down to the cows. right? And what did Jonah preach? He says, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. This is the way we know of his sermon. It's just one liner. 
right? In 40 days, this, this city will be destroyed. If we compare this to the ministry of Christ, what a difference. Christ came doing for them miracles, healing the sick, casting out demons, teaching them. He was filled with mercy. When the sinners came to him who were caught in the midst of their sin, he forgave them and told them, go and sin no more. When people were lost and gone astray, he guided them. And he went to search for them, as he did, as he does with the lost sheep. He dealt with us with patience, and he served us with love and endurance. And we compare this with the preaching of Jonah. They repented. Yet sometimes, just at the time of Christ, we are met with this and we still don't repent. We must not delay our repentance. There are many people that have any this belief. I I can't tell my faults because of, or I can't tell Abuna or another human being my faults because of my pride. And they've never been to confession in their life. Or maybe they've been one or two times in their life. We should not delay confession. Listen to what the psalmist says and what uh, St. Paul repeated in Hebrews. Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your your hearts as the day in rebellion. Don't harden your hearts. Don't delay your repentance. And St. Jerome says, Delay not your repentance, lest by delaying you increase your sins. It's kind of a snowball effect. When we delay our repentance... Our sins just keep perpetuating, perpetuating, getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Don't delay your repentance. If you haven't repented and confessed in a long time, today is the day we are invited to do so. The Lord then continues lastly and he says, The lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is good and your whole body also is full of light. But when your eye is bad, your whole body is full of darkness. And he was saying that nobody at that time, when they light a lamp, because back then they didn't have, you know, light bulbs, they would light a lamp. No one would light a lamp and put it under a basket. The purpose of lighting it is to give light. So they would actually hang it in the highest or most visible point in the house so that everybody in the house can enjoy the light coming from this lamp. So saying the same thing. Basically the Lord is saying, you are what you see. You know that saying that says you are what you eat? That's true too. But we are what we see. What is it that I'm seeing? The things that I'm seeing are the things that I will become. David in the Psalm 101, he asked the Lord, when will you come to me? When will you come to me, Lord? And he says, I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall depart from me. I will not know wickedness. So saying if we, con- if we concentrate on what is good, his teaching and his word, and try to apply them, we will have a healthy mind, a healthy heart, and a healthy body. As the psalmist says here, we will not know wickedness. Unfortunately, there's so much wickedness now around us in the world that we need now more than ever to be surrounded by the light. Surrounded by the Word of God, listening to sermons, listening to spiritual songs, to edification, having positive friends around us would help encourage us and keep us in check, not encourage us to do wickedness and evil. Surround yourself with light rather than darkness. The woman came today in the midst of the crowd, misunderstanding 
having a misunderstanding of the notion of being blessed, that she thought it was by biology. And there are many of us who have this false sense of securities, as we said, when it comes to their salvation. But Christ today made it clear that blessing does not come by heritage, but it comes by those who hear the word of God and keep it. There are many people nowadays who reject the word of God and reject Christianity for various reasons. They'll accuse Christianity of being pro-slavery, for example. They don't speak out against, uh, and the Bible didn't speak out against slavery. They'll, uh, they'll uh, look at Christians as being intolerant or being exclusive. You think you're the only way, you know, to leading a good and healthy life. It's not about leading a good and healthy life. It's about entering into the kingdom of heaven. It's about the afterlife for us, right? Living a good and healthy life here on earth is the byproduct. But the real goal is for us to be in communion with Christ, beginning here unto eternity. And they'll accuse us of being judgmental. All of these things many people will reject the word of God for. But Christ told us how we ought to keep the word of God. He said we must understand, number one, that his word is just that. It's the word of God. And he's the creator of the universe and he gave us his word. Number two is that we have to have this zeal. Seek his word with the determination of the queen of Sheba. And respond to his word with repentance as the people of Nineveh. And focus on the light so our whole body will be full of light. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen.